listeners, and welcome to the Better Than Fine podcast. I am your host, Starlene Marshall. And, you know, when I was a little girl and I would lose a tooth, this is probably going to sound awfully familiar. I would put that tooth under my pillow and magically in the morning, there would be money underneath it. So, of course, I thought that there was a fairy that came and either took my tooth and left money or like somehow magically turned my tooth into money. And for some reason, I got like a little bit more money than my brothers did. Don't tell them. But I thought that that meant that my tooth was somehow more valuable than my brothers. And maybe it's because I was a girl. Like, I didn't know. I didn't get it. But I made all of these assumptions based off of this one thing I observed, the tooth under my pillow, and this other thing that happened, money in my pocket. And obviously, I grew up and I learned the tooth fairy wasn't real. And some of the assumptions that I made in the middle weren't real either. And when we make those mistaken beliefs, it's called a fallacy. Now, you probably have similar examples from your own childhood. My husband and I were joking before I was was trying to think about like, "Ah, how do I introduce this idea? And so we were thinking of like all of the misconceptions that we had when we were kids, you know, the kind of like stupid things that you came to believe. But there are actually people that study fallacies, and they're all different kinds of fallacies. So for example, there's something called the black and white fallacy. That's when you think that two options that are presented are the only options. Uh, And if you've ever done any kind of sales training, you know that you know, we're taught to, do you want package A or package B as, a, as opposed to giving lots of options? Because if you present only two options, people are still going to pick one and they're less likely to say no. Uh, there's the anecdotal fallacy. This is where you use one person's experience as an example and you extrapolate out to say like, well, this thing must be true because it was true for that one person. There's also something called the emotional fallacy. And we see this in marketing uh, or in sales where if something is priced for, say, $19.99, you perceive it as a lot cheaper than something that's $20 because something that's $19.99 seems so much of a better deal than something that's 20 bucks. And so it plays on your perception and emotion to sell you something. So, So here's another crazy one. If you ever are up for parole, and I hope that you never have that, but if you ever are up for parole, uh, you want your parole healing hearing to be just after lunch instead of just before lunch. Because even though the parole board thinks that they are completely unbiased, you're less likely to be paroled if they are hangry than if they've just had lunch because their emotional regulation is going to be affected by their blood sugar. So that's an example of this wild bias that we have that we aren't aware of and the fallacy of, well, I'm unbiased because, I, you know, of course I'm fair. That's a fallacy of fairness, disregarding our perception of our own physical reality. Now, we encounter fallacies in the fitness and wellness industries all the time. So think about that person who, like, looks the way that you want to look. So you start doing their workout on what might be a false assumption that if you just work out the way they work, you're going to end up looking like them uh, or performing like them. So the same thing happens, the same kind of fallacy happens when like, let's say you follow a particular influencer online and they're just like an absolute beast in their workout. They go hard, they lift really heavy weights. So you assume if you take their same supplements, you'll be like them. Both of these are called appeal to authority fallacies, right? We look up to somebody. So we're going to do what they say. We're going to believe what they say because we value their authority. And again, 
consistently use as a marketing strategy. We see this in social media marketing all the time. Now, another really great fallacy that we encounter in the fitness space is called the circular reasoning fallacy. This is something like, you know, people who don't exercise are just lazy. Okay, so then how do you get someone to start exercising? Well, they just need to not be lazy. Yeah, but how does that work? See, it like circles back on itself. Oh, just don't be lazy because if you don't exercise, you must be like it. It doesn't work like that. Right? It's way more nuanced and complicated like that. So whether you're a coach, you're a trainer, you're a person who is just working on understanding yourself for your own wellness, it can be really helpful to tease out the ways in which fallacies shows, show up and how we take care of ourselves, because that way we can understand the traps and, and catch-ups that we might fall into. And today's episode is about one of my absolute favorite fallacies. So let's get to it. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. And today we're going to talk about whether knowing is really half the battle, which hopefully you, if you're a millennial, you're catching my nod. It's called the GI Joe fallacy. And it was coined by Yale psychologist, Lori Santos and Yale philosopher, Tamar Gendler. Now I'm going to date myself here as an elder millennial. I grew up watching GI Joe. And so if you are not an elder millennial, here we go. G.I. Joe was a cartoon in the 80s where these like tough army guys would like go around the world and, you know, save us by the end of the episode. And then at the end of every episode, there was this like public service announcement. So some kid would get himself into a situation that was dangerous. So the one that's really clear in my mind, I remember this one, the kids are riding their bikes and they kind of like skirt on their bikes up to a downed power line, dun, dun, dun. And one of the kids goes to like touch the downed power line. Why? Who knows? But of course the GI Joes like drive up in their Jeep and they, at the last second, one of them jumps out and is like, little Timmy, don't touch the downed power line. It's like, you could get electrocuted, go get an adult. And the kids go, thanks, G.I. Joe, now we know. And G.I. Joe would go, and knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. All right, hopefully you appreciated my little G.I. Joe rendition here. But I don't only love the G.I. Joe fallacy because of the magic of millennial nostalgia, though obviously I love that too. Because here's the fallacy part. When you study behavior change, it is very obvious that knowing valuable, useful, correct information is not actually enough to cause the change in one's life. And in fact, unlike G.I. Joe says, it is not even half the battle. It is far less than half the battle. Most of the time, people already know what they, soft quotes here, should be doing, and they struggle with execution. So Dr. Santos likes to say, quote, merely knowing something isn't half the battle, right? It's just very obvious that it is far more than that. So think about it like this. It shows up in our lives all the time. You know, every smoker that you've ever known, that I've ever known, knew that it was bad for them, that it was carcinogenic, but they keep doing it. You know, everybody I know who's ever abused alcohol, who's ever had like a really wild weekend and their head feels like it's splitting in two and they tell themselves never again, but then somehow they all end up doing it again. You know, I've known plenty of people who are sedentary. They say, oh, I got to start exercising. I know all this sitting is bad for me. And how often 
this is this is my current one, so I'll call myself out on it. How often for me, it's every day, I tell myself I am not going to look at my phone when I go to bed tonight. But then I still end up scrolling on my phone, laying in my bed. I know it's going to mess up my sleep. I know it is not good for my mental health. I still do it anyway. So we can know there's so many more occasions in our lives where our behavior doesn't match up with our knowledge and beliefs. But we think that if we read the books, if we follow enough social media inspiration, if we sign up for enough coaching courses that we are going to convince ourselves through information that we're going to trick ourselves with knowledge. That GI Joe fallacy tells us that is not the case. You are listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. We're talking about the GI Joe fallacy is knowing actually half the battle. And the answer is a resounding no. It is a fallacy because we convince ourselves that the soaking up of information that, oh, if I just read another book on the same topic, that will be enough for me to change my mind. So I love it. What I love GI Joe fallacy for what it can teach us about the steps that we could take to better take care of ourselves, to build lasting positive change. And if you're a coach or a trainer, to better guide someone else. So the problem is now, and this might even be a little circuitous in itself. GI Joe fallacy itself is subject to the GI Joe fallacy. Let me unpack that again. You now know that knowledge is far less than half the battle, but that doesn't mean that you also know what you need to make real change, right? You can know that knowing is only half the battle and not know what the rest of the battle even looks like. But here's my butt for you. You know, if you've listened to this show before, you might have some tools that could be helpful. If you haven't listened to this show before, I'm going to make some recommendations of other episodes that you could go get deeper dives on that would help you overcome the GI Joe fallacy. So if you've listened to say the growth mindset episode, you might know the first place I'm going with this, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to jump back in time for a second. So you know that knowing is less than half the battle. That doesn't mean that you have what you need to change. Here's the growth mindset part yet. So knowing makes us aware. Knowing gives us the possibility of observing, of recognizing our patterns. And that is all really important, right? The awareness, the information, the observation, the challenge the sticking point in the middle, the reason that it is not half the battle is moving into practice. It's moving into doing. I sum this up for my own clients as you actually have to do it for it to work, right? Whatever it is that you learned, the knowledge that you gained, you have to step into practice for it to actually work. You can know that your body needs movement. You have to move to get to the change. You can know that your body needs like green vegetables, but you have to actually eat them and put them into your body for your physiology to change. You can know that your mindset will shift your stress, your anxiety, your tension, your nervous system would change if you meditated. 
but you have to meditate for your nervous system to change and on and on and on to infinitum. So then the question becomes, how do you move from knowledge to action? How do we use this as trainers and coaches to help our clients down the path? To me, it's the difference between intellectually understanding a concept and embodying that concept, right? The knowing, the GI Joe bit is the understanding, the grasping, but embodiment is your actual direct personal experience with whatever it is we're talking about. Because when I, let's say that it's the mindfulness piece, right? The meditation piece. I can read a book on meditation. I can study the concepts of meditation. Maybe even I try each different types of meditation I come across as I learn about them. But it's when I actually start practicing regularly that I start to see the changes in my nervous system, right? I actually see the adaptation and the shift of my state. So if you're a coach or you're a trainer, how often do we talk about change with our clients? Do we you know, make game plans and frame changes instead of actually facilitating a, an experience of change? walking someone through what it feels like to be different, how their body feels, how their nervous system changes through the doing instead of the talking. So I might tell my clients all of the benefits about walking in nature and how much it could shift their day, or we could do our sessions as a walk and talk. And now they're actually feeling the embodied difference instead of me just downloading to them. So you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. We're talking about the GI Joe fallacy and how knowing, well, it's not half the battle. Sorry to just give away the ghost here, but I think you probably figured it out by now. So I always like to end concept episodes like this with tangible takeaways, tips and tools and tricks and things that you can be using yourself or with your clients so that you can be applying whatever it was you heard on the show directly tomorrow, today, whenever that you get the opportunity to do so. So for some of these tips, like I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nudge you back to previous episodes. We already mentioned shifting your mindset from fixed to growth. That's the growth mindset episode. Um, gotten some great feedback on that episode. Of course, if you have feedback, I wanna hear from you. Uh, but, but let's really, if you really wanna nerd out on that tension moment between knowing and action, you wanna go back and listen to the July 22nd episode, Unsticking Motivation. Because that episode really dives into, you know, the different types of human motivation, those psychological constructs, and how you can move yourself along in the, the motivation spectrum. But the first thing I want to put in your noodle, even if you don't go listen to that episode, is that when we're stuck, right, like when you know you should do something, but you're still not acting, you want to get curious about why. What's happening in the moment that you are stuck? There's very likely something to learn there. And actually, this is when working with a wellness coach gets really great because they can help you tease and pick apart that challenge and really look at it in a 360 way to figure out, is it a belief thing? Is it a mindset thing? Is it something self-limiting? Is it a scheduling problem? Was there not a good enough plan? Like, what was it? that you knew the information and then you didn't put it into practice. So that's thing one, it's just getting curious and really looking at it. And then my next suggestion, after you've 
picked apart, like, why am I stuck? Is to take your smallest doable action. Get as specific as possible, no matter how small the action is. Moving into direct action is a state shift, right? And I mean, like, your mindset, your physiological state, your state of being is different through choosing a different action than you would have in the past. So if you think about this, remember the parole board and the lunch, right? The hangry parole board that like before lunch, they're more likely to to not give you parole. Their mindset is being affected by their physiological state. And understanding that you could invest the time and energy to really get to know how your physiological state affects your decision-making. So you don't just like learn the information about like, okay, yeah, sleep's important, nutrition's important, sure, sure, sure. But you could learn like, hey, when I'm hangry, like I'll, uh, this is again, I'm going to own my own stuff. When I'm hangry, I'm mean to my husband. And he always knows if it's like two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm being kind of snarky, he's like, hey, you didn't eat enough today. Because he knows what that information means and helpfully has taught me. So if you're learning these physical levers, you're learning the information about how your state is affecting your mindset and your actions. So get specific about small actions you could be taking to shift your state, to move into how you wanna be when it comes to your decision-making and executing on your knowledge. But when you learn some new information and understanding that knowing is not half the battle, if you take the smallest doable action that you could take, you're now taking that knowledge and bringing it into being. So first was get curious, get curious about why you're stuck. Second one, that's when you're gonna take whatever specific doable action that you can. It doesn't matter how small and it should somehow change your state so that you're taking what you just learned into your like embodied physical practice. And now the third thing I wanna encourage you to do is whatever it is that you've just learned, because we know that you know, knowing isn't half the battle. Part of what you want to do is anchor that learning into your biggest, juiciest, most awesome reasons to change in your life. And this is where things like belief work or value work come in handy. So I want to encourage you to remember that we want to avoid the three horsemen of the emotional apocalypse, which you're familiar with if you've listened to this show before. But if not, Those three horsemen are shame, blame, and guilt. Because when we change for those reasons, we're being reactive to negatives and we don't don't want to internalize the bad juju. What we want is real, aligned, internal, positive reasons to change. So if you want to connect to those ideas, you go back and listen to the episode on April 14th. That one's on self-actualization. So when we get connected with our aligned selves, we have our big reasons to want the good stuff in our lives. So when you connect whatever information you're learning, right, you're knowing, to the big reasons in our lives, we get to actualize out of a positive place instead of being reactive to negative emotional stuffs. All right, so you're curious about why you're stuck. You're taking specific actions. You're connected to big reasons to change. Our fourth way to bring this into being It's to enlist others. Again, focusing on positive emotional engagement. So a lot of times when I'm talking to clients or I'm teaching workshops and we talk about other people, 
they'll talk about it as wanting accountability, right? Like, oh, my accountability buddy makes me go do it. That only works for so long. Because when we've got that framing, it comes with that shame, blame, guilt, obligation thing I was just talking about. But if we focus on community, on connection, on shared positive experience, now it's about mutual support and and the, the good emotional momentum that you get from having other positively changing people in our lives. And if you go listen to either of the recent episodes that we shared, one is a new episode with Kelly McGonigal from two weeks ago. Uh, The other is a replay of an interview I did with her a year ago. In both of those episodes, we talk about the power of positive connection in making change. It's specifically about movement, but that could be true of anything. So let's say that you do want to improve your sleep. Well, if you get your partner to say like, okay, we're shutting off screens and we're going to go to bed at this, you know, both of us tonight at 10 PM. So we get a good night's sleep. That's going to be very different than if you're trying to go it alone and your partner is like, yeah, but come on one more episode. So you want to enlist others in your positive changes. So, you know, to wrap this up, knowing isn't the same as doing. It is the action steps. It is the embodiment that actually changes our state. So yes, thinking matters. And oftentimes the thinking precedes action. And while mental tips and tricks and reframes and whatever can get you into action when you're stuck, the mind can't go it alone. We live in a tangible, physical reality that requires action to change and get the outcomes that we say we want in our lives. So. No, knowing is not half the battle. It is far less than half the battle. G.I. Joe was wrong. All the millennials are going to send me the meanest emails. I had a Gen Xer really rip my face off the other day for saying I was going to do this episode. He was very upset with me. But we have to embrace that as coaches, as trainers, as people who want good things in our lives. We've got to know that it's so much more than knowing if we want positive change in our lives. So I hope you enjoy those other episodes. If you've got any questions, or ideas, or pushback, or feedback, or you want to send me a message and tell me that I've bastardized your childhood, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm easy there. On Instagram, I'm Darlene.Coach, or go ahead and send me an email. It's info at Darlene.Coach. Easy to reach. If you're a fan of the show, subscribe wherever you're listening. If you're on a podcast episode, one of the best ways that you could support this show is to leave us a five-star review. It really does help in getting the show promoted. And if you are on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment, hit the like button. All of those things help the show to grow, which we genuinely appreciate. We love our listeners. We know from NASM Optimo, we've got a bunch of listeners out there. Hopefully we've got some new fans engaging. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. And thank you for always doing everything you can to support Better Than Fine. We're so glad to have you here. (laughs) 